Let's welcome Jim Hockaday today. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I was wondering how this cockpit worked up here, so got to see it with my own eyes. Amen. It's good to be here, and it's good to be with our family, of course, uh, Pastors Mark and Amy and their family, and uh, it's wonderful to be back in Boise. Um, my girls will be here, uh, my wife and two of our daughters um, will be here in the second and third service. Uh, our third daughter's coming in tomorrow night, and so we're just looking forward to a wonderful time, I'm sure, as you are with family uh, for the Christmas holiday. Uh, we do have a little addition with our middle daughter, Drew, and she's with child, and we'll be grandparents in March, and so we're thrilled about that, and, and uh, we were supposed to have a boy each time, and they all came out girls, and <laughs> we were prophesied to by the best, and you know, even Brother Hagen for the first child for Allie, you know, we were in a meeting, and um, right in the middle of the meeting, he stopped and whirled around and pointed his finger at me and said, so what do you believe in God for? And of course, you know, I just thought, well, I'm believing for a boy. And he laughed right in my face. And then he looked at me and said, I think you'll be a little disappointed. And I'm like, what gives with that, you know? So afterwards, I went and talked with him, you know, about it. I said, so you messing with this whole thing, you know? What's, what's up? And he, and, he, and he looked at me with all sincerity, and he said, I asked the Lord if I could change it, but he said, leave it alone. That's amazing. And then another girl came out, and then another. And so, uh, in fact, the last one, for nine months, I had all the congregations that I preached at say boy three times just to help me. (laughs) And so we decided we would buy a couple of dogs that were boys and just consider it to be over, you know. And now we have a a wonderful son-in-law that just loves the Lord in ministry and uh, just a tremendous anointing on him. In fact, we did a meeting together a couple of weeks ago um, in North Carolina where all of us were together. In fact, Drew and Chloe and I uh, were able to sing together, which was really, really fun and for the first time. Um, And so, uh, but we we all went there to this church and and did a Saturday meeting where we did two services in the morning. I did one, Paul, my son-in-law, did another. And we brought in four uh, of their friends from Colorado to North Carolina. And then we broke up into about 11 or 12 teams. And we went out on the street and just let the Lord share with us uh, where to go, um, who to minister to, and we saw all kinds of healings take place and um, wonderful salvations take place. And so it was a really awesome weekend with those young people that were on fire. I'm telling you, the young folks are on fire today. Amen. They are. And it's an interesting thing. You get them worshiping God and, and they, they don't want to stop. Amen. You know, we, we, if we worship too long, we even look at our watches just to see if it's you know, if something happened, unusual, you know. We're, we're kind of conditioned that way, some of us that are older. But the young folks just want to worship God and love on God. And so it's, uh, it's wonderful to be in that type of an atmosphere. Amen, amen. Well, I want to pray because the Lord's putting all these things in me right now. Um, I'm standing over there just loving the worship and the time to be here. And I want to be able to get to them. But I know that there's things happening in the service right now. 
And uh, it's just, man, it's an awesome day. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful day to be alive. Amen. We're seeing things that our grandparents and great-grandparents may have thought about, heard about, may have, have had prophesied about, but we're getting a chance to see these things in our day and age. And I'll tell you, we're on the verge of, and I don't like to say these words. If you know me, you know I'm out of character right now, but we're on the verge of a, an amazing move of God uh, in the area of healing and deliverance. Praise the Lord that's going to sweep this country. And uh, we're going to, before Jesus comes, we're going to take back the consciousness of man to the healing power of Jesus Christ over medicine. Amen. Amen. Where people will consider before Jesus comes, coming to a church like this one, where they don't even have to get the pastor. They'll just grab somebody that's out there. Amen. Out there, just, just happen to be walking by. If you're on these premises, they'll come, they'll grab you, say, lay hands on me, I'll be healed. It's going to happen before Jesus comes. Amen. He's coming soon. Praise the Lord. So we're in that day and we're in that time. And, and uh, man, I'll tell you what, there's just been some things. Just bow your heads for a second. Let me just get this out of me before I go so I don't go crazy here. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. And so for the last few moments, I've heard the word weightiness. Wait. The weightiness of glory, the weightiness of your presence, shall even in this church and on this premise and in this place become that which those that even know nothing about it will come into the services and feel the presence of God, will come into the service and feel the weightiness of God. They'll leave saying there was something tangible in that place. I don't know if I can put my finger on it, but I do know that my body no longer hurts. I do know that symptoms have disappeared. I do know that I no longer have a craving for the things of the world. And the weightiness will begin to purify. The weightiness will heal. The weightiness in this place will begin to manifest itself upon people's face. It'll manifest itself in the service. It'll manifest itself even in the song service. And where one church after another church has incorporated uh, uh, smoke machines that give certain uh, uh, acoustics and atmosphere, it shall be, the Lord would say even to this place, that my glory shall provide an atmosphere. My glory shall provide an acoustics. My glory shall provide a feeling and a touch. And it'll become tangible. And those that come here will start to get used to it. And you won't realize that the presence of God will go with you everywhere you go. And people will come up to you and people will be drawn to you for the light of God upon your face. And when they get in your presence, the glory that you carry will go into their bodies, will go into their minds, will set them free, will drive out devils. And the presence of God will be lifted up and Jesus shall be exalted even in this church and in this surrounding area. It shall be known. Get to this church. It's a place of life. And that life will set people free. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for our day, for our time that we spend together. We're not just here, Lord God, for a quote-unquote service. We're here to learn, to enjoy, and to participate with you in everything that we do. And so I just come against every sickness, every foul work of the enemy, 
any type of addiction. I thank you, Lord, for mending marriages in this place, just as we heard such amazing testimony a few moments ago. I thank you, Lord, for backs and bones being healed. I thank you, Father, for muscles being relaxed. I give you praise, Lord God, for brain cells being energized. I give you praise, Lord God, for organs being revitalized. There's life in this place. Father, I thank you that if there's one person in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord, before we're done in the next few moments, their heart shall greatly desire to know him this day. We give you praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to go right to the heart of some things I want to say in Hebrews chapter 6, if you go there with me. Praise the Lord. While you're going there, we do have a little product table back there. We only have a few things that we brought. I did that on purpose. You'll see that there are some flash drives back there. It looks like a credit card, but actually a a USB pops out of this. And uh, there's like 87 hours on this black one. I think there's a white one out there that's part two that has about 84 hours. And a blue one that's part three that has about 25 or 30 hours. And then there's a purple one that's uh, all about doing the works of Jesus. These, this series here is called What is Reality? We've had some tremendous testimonies as a result. People just experiencing God on their own. And how many of you know that's the desire of every place that calls itself a church where people meet? And that is not just to help you to find something here, but to be able to take it with you so you can experience God individually on your own. Amen. Everything about a relationship with God is individually. Now we meet corporately together to share and brag about what Jesus has done individually. Amen. And just like those couple of testimonies, you're going to hear a whole lot more even in the next few minutes. I just thank God someone's back is being healed, especially down in the lower back area. And uh, I give God praise right now that someone's prostate is being completely healed right in this room. Amen. Right now as we speak. I thank God there's somebody in here that's had some type of like pounding in your chest. God's healing that right now. And uh, as as you uh, uh, acknowledge him, you'll see that that'll just disappear. And there's many other things. Let's just get to uh, the sermon here in just a second. We brought with us prayer secrets. And I don't know why, but this just turned out... Uh, extra specially good. It, it, uh, sometimes it just happens that way. Some of the material that you speak, maybe it's where you speak it. It just seems to be more anointed than others. And so this prayer secrets just turned out extremely good, all about recognizing God and having a tangible prayer life with him. Uh, then we have what we've had before, but we brought it anyhow. It's just a little $5 item here called Intimacy with God. There's six CDs there, all about praying in other tongues. And I just want to share with you, if you're not praying in other tongues, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you're just really missing something in the day that we live. It is a tremendous and wonderful gift, I believe even more so to our generation than even at the beginning. And yet look at the, the book of Acts the book of, think about it, the book of Acts, the actions of the New Testament church inspired by the Holy Ghost. So if you can get filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll start to see the presence of God just like they did. Amen. The other two uh, books that I brought were, number one, the miraculous gospel of John. This is a commentary to the gospel of John, all about thinking just like Jesus. That's what the commentary is about, thinking like Jesus, doing the works like Jesus. And it's wrapped up in a really nice uh, leather edition here. So we're selling this on sale to, today for two for 25. So you'll find that to be a, a wonderful deal. And this is our latest book that we just brought out here this, this year. 
And it's called identity crisis. And it's all about being made in the image and the likeness of God. Amen. Is it possible we're missing something or not taking advantage of something that God has given us? And the answer could probably be yes. Amen. All right. Over here in Hebrews chapter 6, just for a few minutes. It's quarter after. We've got about 30 minutes to share a few thoughts with you. And I believe it'll be very, very good. So we're looking at verse 13 to 20, and I'm going to read it here in the New King James Version. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God... Personally, I really like those two words right there. Thus God. In other words, and likewise God. If men can get into a contractual agreement to end disputes. Well, this is what it says. This is what you have to do. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. And the judge says, well, then you have to pay the fine. Well, I don't want to pay the fine. Then do what it says in your contract. It's supposed to do what? End the dispute. And if men can do that, to help one another stay what? Accurate to what's being said. And also think of what it does. When it's written in a contract, it gives you a certain position of boldness or assertity to say, you have to. Well, I don't know if I want to. It doesn't matter whether you want to. You have to. You signed your name to it. Yeah, but I I didn't mean it. (laughs) You signed your name. Right? It's what gives you strength. It's what allows you to take a step forward when you normally wouldn't be that type of a person to be confrontive. Come on, maybe there are individuals here, you don't like confrontation. But if you have it in a contract, you can present your contract and let the contract do the fighting for you. Amen? So it becomes what? A position of strength. No, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because I'm an itinerant minister. I travel from church to church to church to church. And this is something that I don't see a lot of anymore. And we should be progressing. How many of you believe that a relationship should progress? Amen. I mean, think of how those of you that are married even got married. Guys, you probably didn't pull out a ring the very first time you met her, walk up to her with a ring and say, I'd like to marry you. You know, you know what I mean? It's probably not going to work. There was probably a progression. You may have even asked somebody about her. I did. I asked Pastor Mark. I said, who's that out there? He said, that's my sister. I said, oh. Do you remember that standing up there at the weight room? You know, we're looking out over the Rama uh, facility, their sports facility, and Aaron was out there playing volleyball and just real spunky, you know, type, and she still is. <laughs> Amen. Keeps me on my toes. And, you know, she was out there playing, and there's just something about watching her play volleyball and messing around and just that kind of spunk that was in here that just caught my attention. And Pastor Mark was standing there. He was all buffed after having worked out so much. And I just nudged him and I said, do you know her? And he goes, yeah, I do. That's my sister. I said, okay. And things began to what? Progress. Right? 
You go out on your first date, and if it's a bomb, you usually don't go back. <clears throat> but if it's not, then you do. And, you know, and Erin, you know, she told me later, you know, you were never my type. <laughs> so I threw it back at her. Well, you weren't mine either. <laughs> and so goes our relationship today. And it's awesome because our personalities work really well together, just enjoying each other's company. But there was something about that, that first time that we went out. Charlie Mitchell's Aspen in 81st, remember? And, you know, it was, it was an interesting time. You know, Aaron, you know, at that particular point, you know, she didn't talk as much. She would, you know, kind of facial gestures like, you know, that would be an answer. And now I've... I, I've I understand it's like three sentences, you know. <laughs> no, actually, now she's, she talks, and boy, once we got her started, now it's, it's amen, she talks. <laughs> I wish you were here right now to see all this, because I didn't plan any of this, but anyhow. Um, <clears throat> no, it was, it was interesting, you know, that first, relation, first time, you know, we, we would talk, and, and she, didn't, she didn't share as much, and so then I shared extra, you know. And, and I asked her later, well, you know, what would you think about, you know, that time? She said, well, you didn't let me talk. I said, well, you know, I, I didn't know you wanted to, you know. And she said, but here's what she said. She said, everything you said is exactly what I would have said if I was going to say it. And I thought, well, that's worth getting together again. And then the prog progression started. So what about relationship with God? Shouldn't it progress? So why are we going back church after church after church after church and we see more of a weakness, a falling away from the Lord? In other words, not greater strength and greater boldness with greater testimonies that are just, I mean, just cause you to feel like, wow, we're really beginning to move forward spiritually. What we see across the country is people beginning to actually pull away from the things of God and use the things of the world. Does that make sense? I love this right here. It says, thus God, look at these words, determining to show. Now, first of all, when it says thus God, it means God's getting involved. And anytime you see in the scriptures God getting involved, it's, it's awesome. Amen. In fact, if you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, but you've read a little bit, it should pique your curiosity to say, whatever is causing these guys to experience what they're experiencing, I want that. Yep. Amen. You don't have to be rocket scientists to be able to figure that out, that everybody that connected to this person called God has some pretty amazing testimonies and their lives have been blessed. And some of the areas of which they've been blessed, I need that blessing right here, right now. Now, not tomorrow, I need it right now. And I want to connect to this. It's kind of like somebody telling you the too-good-to-be-true story about how somebody came up with some particular type of, you know, uh, remedy, and you're just thinking, oh my God, I need that. And how quickly and how easy it is it to go to the internet, pull it up, and then order it. Today, you could have it in two days. Well, you look at the Bible, you find that that's exactly the way that it is. You see people inspired to do what? To believe God. And that's what it should do to inspire you. So when it says, thus God, that means God's involved. Now, the next word says, thus God determining. Come on, have you ever met somebody that's determined? 
Somebody that you kind of feel like, I better get out of their way or I'll get run over. Have you ever had a moment like that yourself where you were moved to actually go after something and you forgot about who was in the room and you kind of bypassed people and you didn't have time to say, hey, sorry, excuse me, let me get through. You just moved quickly. Maybe it was your child. And you looked all around. Where are they? Where are they? And, and you heard their voice and you shouted to them. And the moment you did, you knew you had to go to it. You, you didn't say, hey, please, can you, can you just... Can, can you? You just went towards them. Whatever the case may be, we've all experienced things like that. What about God being determined on your behalf? What do you think His determination could do? Destroy sickness, destroy cancer in a second, amen. Put your hip back in place, amen. Cast out a devil, release you from a bondage, put your marriage back together, bring your children back home. Thus, God being determined, what's he determined to do? Play tiddlywinks with you? What's he determined to do? He's determined to show. Come on, I didn't know God actually did things. We're just believing in the idea that he's there. Or is he real? Is he tangible? Does he change this temporary, physical, material world? Come on, if he made it with the breath of his mouth, could he not alter it at any time for someone who would believe him? Come on, I'm in the right place here this morning. What am I endeavoring to do? Recharge your energy with a few thoughts about believing God. Come on. The old timers used to say it this way. Real faith is where you put yourself on purpose in a position where you can't go back. Come on, if I'm holding on to the boat, real faith is where you let go and you step out too far to be able to get back. Now you're there. You've got to do what? Walk or sink. Oh my God, why would I do that when I have all kinds of amazing medical inventions that are coming out that cause me to not have to do that? And then that is a real good question. And for so many believers today, that is the question. Why would I trust God for that when I can go and have it snipped and cut and, and, the, and the percentages are really in my favor and then I don't have to change anything? So why would I trust God for that when the procedure is so good? And you know I have real good health insurance, so it's not like it's going to break the bank. I remember walking through my bedroom, and Aaron just happened to be there, and this was quite a few years ago, about 20 years ago, and the next thing you know, boom, I'm flat on my face. My bowels perforated. Never had any pain like that in my life laid on the floor, grabbed my, my belly. Aaron had never seen me hurt like that. And I knew something was seriously wrong. And I didn't have insurance, so I looked at her and I said, number one, we're not going to the doctor. I said, they'll take every savings that we have. And we didn't have a lot, but I said, they'll take it all. I said, number two, I'm not dying, because if I did, then someone else would marry you. and raise my girls. And that's not happening. So I only had one other option. Live. And believe God. It took me about three weeks to get over all my religion. 
all the religious things that we do to try to get God into the notion of doing what he already did. Huh? Trying to get him to pay for what he already paid. Huh? Come on, God gives you a gift card. It's unlimited. It's already paid for. Just use it. And yet here we are trying to get enough money to pay for it. And he's got an unlimited gift card. I'm trying to get him to do something that Grace already got for me. And it took me about three weeks to get over myself. And here I was, a healing and prayer uh, teacher. Now put on the spot. Let's see what you got. Put up or shut up. Live or die. Within just a week, I had lost all the way down to about 130 pounds. And I'm about 180 right now. Skin and bones. Skin going jaundice. By all practical purposes, I should have been dead. And then if that didn't help, Aaron was feeding me this green porridge that was doing the rest of the job. Eat every bite of it. You eat it. No, I'm not eating that. Well, then why am I? But I had one choice, and that is to live. I already made my mind up. And one night before I was getting ready to go on an actual ministry trip, I'd canceled everything and forgot to cancel this one trip out to California. And it was a Thursday, going into a Friday. And late, early that Friday morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I just got up. I had, I had to walk like this because I didn't have any muscles to hold my body up anymore, just thin skin and bones. Walked out, sat in a chair, and I said, God, I said, I, I'm going to repent. I said, I'm trying to do everything I can to get my healing. And I said, it's something you already got for me. And I said, as of this day, you and I aren't going to talk about healing again. Why would we? I'm already healed. I said, if you took my infirmity and bore my sickness, then you took my infirmity and bore my sickness. If you said, with your stripes I was healed, then with your stripes I was healed. And I don't give a blankety blank what I feel about it right now. All I know is, is I'm healed, and that's the end of the story, and I want to thank you very much, and we don't have to talk anymore, but one thing I am going to do, I'm going to make myself a chocolate milkshake and just enjoy every bit of it. Because you don't think of it this way. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die with a chocolate milkshake in my hand, for crying out loud. <laughs> My last bite won't be some disgusting green stuff that... Right? And I got up and went to bed. Didn't feel anything. Woke up the next morning. Didn't feel anything. And then all of a sudden it came to me on Friday. Oh my gosh, I got to go on a ministry trip tomorrow. So I put my stuff together. I couldn't even lift it. Took my golf clubs. Couldn't even swing one. Aaron had to help me get it out of the, out of the car. Just so I could go into the airport like this. When the pastor saw me, he about had a heart attack, looked at me and said, Oh my God, I'll do the preaching for you. You just have a vacation while you're here. And I said, If you do that, you'll be sending me home in a six-foot pine box. I said, I came here to preach. I'm going to preach. And I had a little bit of an edge on me. I preached that first sermon, and I, was, I felt like I'd just run them out. 
He said, are you ready for the second one? I said, there's a second one. (laughs) If I was here, there would have been a third one. That's a good way to figure out whether you're going to live or die. Just come to Life Church, do three services. My God, you'll either be alive or you'll be dead. But you'll go preaching. Amen. I looked at him and said, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I got up there that second service, preached it. He came back you know, after those two services. You got a little bit of an edge on you, you know. I said, it'll get better, trust me. Went home and slept that afternoon. And all of a sudden, for the first time, that afternoon, I know this is, isn't necessarily the place to say this, but thing, all, the plumbing started to work. Now, you might not get excited about your plumbing working. You may never have thought about it. But when it's broken and all of a sudden it starts to work, you might just, just, just dance a little bit. Run around the room with your arms up going, Woo! Glory! Went back and preached that night, got so happy I took off running. The only problem was, I didn't have any strength with me, and Grandma passed me up at least three times. <laughs> there she goes again. Shoot, I'm not going very fast, but I'm going with everything I've got. And just within that week, 25 pounds came back on my body. And from there, thank God, some wonderful things happened. And I could tell you the rest of the story, which would be... Uh, An interesting rest of the story, but I'll leave that first part with you right there. Why? Thus God being determined to do what? To show. What's he want to do? Show more abundantly. Show just a little bit? He just wants you to get a peek. Kind of just like taking that carrot, you know, and and, uh, putting it out in front of of those dogs. You know, know, when when dogs race and they got a rabbit out there, the, the idea isn't for the dog to get the rabbit. Do you know that? If a dog ever got the rabbit, it would mess up the game. So they got to have the rabbit continue to be just fast enough to be out in front of those dogs to make them run after the rabbit. You don't get the rabbit. And that's what religion will do for you. They'll just roll that little carrot out there just to get you curious about it. But you're never able to get it. I mean, no one's ever been healed. We've never had a prayer answered. My God, we've been praying, Lord, if it be thy will, for about 40 years. Does he want to do anything? Obvious he doesn't. But God's determined to do what? To show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. That's us. He wants to put on a show. Come on, Paul said over there in Ephesians that God, in the, in the eons to come, will show us His goodness and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We're going to see a continual show. We're not going to get to heaven. It's going to be a blank slate. No one's going to see anything. We're going to be walking around, you know, wondering what are we doing here. I'm telling you, we're going to meet God. And we can meet Him right here and right now. So with the few moments that we've got left, I know I could go a lot further with this because it causes me to look into the Scriptures and say, what made individuals do what they did? God's covenant made them do it. How could Abraham present his son at an altar and then light a match and burn him alive? Because he already figured out on his way there that God said through covenant... 
that this son will be the beginning of a multitude of nations. Which if I put two to two together, if God wants me to sacrifice them, then I'll stand there with that, that match in my hand and watch God raise them out of the ashes. It's not what I think might happen. It's what I know will happen. This is the strength of covenant, folks. Come on, God showed us a pattern in the old covenant to bring us to the wonderful glory of Christ in the new. Abraham questioned God. God said, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to have an amazing amount of land and prosperity will come to you. Just follow me. So Abraham said, okay, I'll go to a land in which I don't know. And he set out on a journey, not even knowing where he was going, but just trusting God. Can we trust God today not knowing where we're going? Can we trust God today when your first step you have no clue? Somewhere in the second or third step, can you believe him to show you? Because why? He's determined to show more abundantly. Come on, if God is determined to put on a show, don't you know that He is actually here right now for you to experience freedom of pain in your body? There's people experiencing that right now. You might not even know it. The Lord said to me years ago, He said, when you stand in front of people, help them to know when they believe. They don't even know when they believe. And multitudes of people I've stood before and I prayed for them and the moment I lay hands on them I said, my God, you just got it. Do you know that you just believed? They'll say, what? I did? Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, I say, check it. And they'll go, my God, it's gone. Yes, you believed your faith. Can we experience the God that opens up Red Seas? Come on, what would make somebody go into a fiery furnace and basically just, how can I say this nicely, just tell the king where to put it. <laughs> Come on, that's what he did. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, listen, number one, you're not our king. We're not serving you. And if you throw us into the fire, God will deliver us from the fire. And if not, people have said, well, that means, you know, they're going to die. <laughs> Notice what they said. And if not, we won't serve you. Well, no, duh. If God doesn't get you out of the fire, you're crispy critters. Of course, no, that's not what they were saying. The if not was attached to what the king was going to do. If you throw us into the fire, God will deliver us. And if you don't throw us into the fire, you're not our king. We're not going to bow. We won't serve you. That's what made him so mad. Either way, they win. He loses. And he turned it up seven times hotter. And then there's a fourth man in the fire waiting on him. What makes people do this? Well, number one is, they don't have another option. So if you don't have another option, how can you get in? Like another, to what degree do you actually get in? All the way. Come on, when vanilla ice cream was the only option. Serious. Baskin Robbins ruined that. When vanilla ice cream was the only option and you wanted an ice cream, did you even have to say, I'll have a vanilla ice cream? Well, no, you just say, I'll have two scoops, four scoops, have one scoop. Why? 
because that's all you had. So how easy was it to get all the way in? Very easy. I want an ice cream. I'm getting a vanilla ice cream. You might even not have said I'm having a vanilla because that's the only flavor there was. But Baskin-Robbins says, I'm going to add 30 more flavors to the one. And they knew they were going to screw everybody up. That's the reason why they got a little cup there with these little tiny pink spoons. And what are those spoons for? Those spoons are for samples. Why? They know people with 30 flavors are going to go, ah, ah. So they're going to say, would you like a sample? A sample? Oh my God, yes. And my little girls, when they first went and found out they could get a little tiny spoon, what am I doing with the spoon, Daddy? You can keep it. I can keep it? And you can just see their mind going, I wonder how many of these spoons I can get. I'll have a sample of that. I'll have a sample of that. I'll have a sample. Will you choose, please? Why? Why is it hard to choose? Because now they got options. I'm eating my ice cream cone because I'm old school. I only have a couple flavors that I would like. It was easy for me to pick. When they finally picked, it was something disgusting like bubble gum, which one lick caused their tongue and other things to be blue for a long time. <laughs> and while they're finally licking their cone, they're looking at me almost done with mine. And this is what Allie said. She goes, Daddy, yours looks really good. I said, it is. She said, can I have a lick of yours? Think about that. You already got five spoons in your hand. You've got one ice cream cone that's disgusting, and now you want a lick of mine. <laughs> what have we done? We've just produced individuals that can't make a decision. And look at what we've done today. It's the same thing, and it's getting in the church where people can't make a decision for Jesus because they got so many options, but he is still the God that is so determined to show you more abundantly his grace and his kindness and his love. Ah, glory! I feel like I'm in a battleship up here on this platform. <laughs> hey man, can't wait till it moves back. I just want to be on it for just a little bit. Let me be the one the next service to come down here and step on it, okay? I just want it to... <laughs> That is so cool. I thought actually, I didn't know it did that. I thought I was actually going to have to stand right here. That's all I had is this little cockpit. And then when he stepped down here, it was like, oh my gosh, thank you. That was exciting. Praise the Lord. Next time, warn me when you do that. Who in here, your back, 